Rock and roll, dude. I'm here with Ralph Jean-Pierre. Hello, hello. Man, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. Emmy award winning <laughs> actor, clown, writer, director. No, there's no <laughs> Emmy award. He's... <laughs> I know. I, it, I did win you, an Emmy. You did win an Emmy. The show that I was on... On on the the digital wing of PBS, we won an Emmy. Yeah, the Disney Channel. We won no no the all arts. We won a New York Emmy. You got you are a motherfucking Emmy award winner. I am friend. an Emmy. That's wild. Yes. And I don't know why you don't lead with that all the time. You the should tell episode your students that I was I wasn't on the episode that won the Emmy, but I, one of the episodes I was on was nominated. You should open all your classes. By the way, teacher as well, the accolades. <laughs> yeah, but you should yeah. open all your classes and be like, I'll have you all know. <laughs> that I am a motherfucking certified Emmy Award winner, and if you don't like it, you can get the fuck out of my class. <laughs> That's how That's I first day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the class is not that tenor at all. <laughs> They'll be They're like, just... um, I also won an Emmy Award. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. A lot of the students that I teach, some of them have, like, career-wise, are in front of me big time. Um, I have, like... Some have like their own like Showtime shows, or have been in movies or commercials. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's wild. It, like it's, some of your students are notable actors, Orlando Jones. Orlando uh, Jones. Yeah, he's in your from class. Mad TV. Orlando Jones. Yeah, he's one of your students, right? From Mad TV. Yeah, he's and one like of your students 50 is something years old. Natalie Portman is also a student of yours. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all, dude. What a beautiful. What movie was I watching that she was in recently? Um, Portman. Black Duckling. Black the Black Swan. Oh my God, that's uh, Anya was watching that right before we broke up. She was watching. Yes, Black Swan. and now we get to the heart and soul uh, of this episode. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ralph Jean Pierre, old friend of mine. If you've been following any of the stuff I've been doing, I feel like I haven't talked about you recently because you haven't done things. But yeah, you yeah. and I, I was on the way I here, didn't. and we have been. Uh, known each other for 15 years. 15 years. If 2007 is when we met, if if 2008 then four, then 14, but if 2007, which I believe it was, wow, it would have been no, it would have been like eight or nine at at the earliest. Well, hold on a second. 2007 was when, um, kill me loudly, or maybe it was nine. It no, maybe it was nine. nine. Yeah, eight or nine. No, but because I feel like I met you at the pit before that, so maybe eight. That's still close to fourteen. It's years. fourteen years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Ah, damn. I can't even wrap my mind around. Ugh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Been hanging around the clown world for that long. I guess I started hanging around the clown world and the improv world at the same time, which is I well, didn't realize. I remember when. Kill Me Loudly's show was at Triskelion, and I think that's where I met you and Andy, yeah. who oh, were yeah. working on it. And then that's where, like, and I guess that must have been too, late 2008 or 2009, because that's when I was, like, working with Deanna. When I was Deanna, when Deanna was my clown coach, it was wow. as early as 06, because that's what 06 was when I took the um, the um my first clown class with Eric Davis, and yeah, yeah. that was November of 06, and then... She started doing like her rough versions of Bud Kopinski like wow. very shortly after. So I can't imagine it was that long before, you know, then when it all got rolling, later. you know? Yeah. What a, what, a, what a history. It's hard. Sometimes I like blank on how long I've been around the clown world because it's been more spotty. And like I often 
it's less so now, but I'm often like teaching my kids in my clown classes and I'm just like, what am I doing teaching this? Like mm. sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, imposter syndrome. Sometimes I feel like such a fraud. So what you should do is just lie about your resume, which is what a lot of people in clown do. Oh yeah, maybe. Yes, I, I, I have. And in the world, I just want them to be. I just want. I I did uh, stand up like a month ago uh-huh. on Matthew Silver's show, and um, I've had this. I don't know if I have the time to pursue it, but I've had this thing about like clowns. I'm sick of stand-ups. They, it, through no fault of their own, it just so happens that they're oh, so... Through in, insecurity. I know what you're yeah, going to say because I read your stories. Yes, yeah. They, like, have all the real estate of, like, podcasts, open mic. Like, there's three stand-up open mics for every regular open mic in the city. There's just stand-ups have everything. And it's like, but anybody can walk in and use that stage time. And, like, improvisers, clowns, they don't. And so... Well, I think that, you know, so let me just to, pref- to preface for everyone who, who doesn't read Ralph's stories and then chuckle to themselves about <laughs> what an idiot he sounds like all the time. But he goes that, so that comedians have like the, uh, the stand-ups, real the yeah. standups are the ones who call themselves comedians. Yeah. But improvisers and clowns don't call themselves comedians and they should start calling themselves comedians. I think it'd make a big difference. Right. Yeah. But the problem is that improvisers and clowns, a lot of times see themselves as something more boutique than yeah. imp- than than comedians and i think that's the problem because both improvisers and clowns put themselves in this like boutique little niche and because of that their work doesn't resonate with regular people yep. who just want to laugh and you need to like almost like uh like sort of feed them the Kool-Aid of a cult for them mm. to even be involved in the work and then also they create like boundaries so that they themselves can't interact with comedy i th- I, th- I think that this is more uh, more like co- like uh like maybe woke boundaries or well like- that yeah but i mean th- even before that it's like if you never saw a herald you know what i mean and like you see an opening of a herald you might think what is this stupid bullshit i'm seeing <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it doesn't immediately engage the audience in a breaking the fourth wall being like i'm acknowledging that i'm like going beep boop beep boop beep you know what i mean like where it's like we in i think matt donnelly from you know used to teach at the pit he he didn't like harold openings for that very reason because he's like we're in new york like i'm not going to waste my audience's time with that Mm. you know what i mean i'm gonna Mm. start on a scene immediately cut the opening out wow but like even a little subtle thing like that is like the difference between it's like, oh, we're in a cool little group that we know our subculture, which is fine. I mean, subcultures like I was in indie rock, which is a total subculture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I love a subculture. I love a niche. But this idea that lying to yourself that you don't want to be accessible, that you don't want not even to let a big crowd in or a big audience in, but to just let people in like i guess it's the same thing as like high school or the same thing as fine art like oh you don't get this sorry you don't get this and it's like well that's just a place to hide because everybody wants to communicate everybody wants to be understood and there isn't um that's a high calling not a low one you know what i mean um so yeah I, I i don't know i feel like it is very important. That's an agenda I just want to push, and everybody might not be on board with it. But I guess just floating the idea out there might be helpful. And like, 
and especially because stand-ups they they just by just practically they have so much stage time they have so much opportunity to practice comedy more than everyone else because they have all the podcasts and, and open mics and other things that and need less infrastructure so it's like if improvisers and clowns go and hang out around stand-ups you everyone has so much to teach one another mm. you know what i mean there's so much to learn from one another and there's so much more like uh I'm seeing more and more like overlap stand-ups that do improv, stand-ups that uh, less that do clown, but should something. There's something that do clown. Clown is just it's like if people know about clown because even talking, I don't I don't think I talk about clown much on this show, but like it's not like <laughs> you know it's very hard to get past the stigma of you say clown and people think literally a rainbow wig, <laughs> a foam nose, and white face makeup, and they're like that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like there's no. How do you, you know, it's like without calling it something different for the sake of uh, marketing, how do you get around that and try to explain that it's like an archetype of comedy that's almost like the engine that runs not only comedy, but the engine that runs um, a performance that's interesting? I try to explain it using um, the most famous examples of it. Like I would say Mr. Bean is a clown, Bugs Bunny is a clown, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I also say... You know, and then I would say Dave Chappelle says his biggest influence is Bugs Bunny. Right. So, and like, really, you don't need to study clown to do clown because a lot of comics are doing clown all yeah. the time. My favorite description of clown is from Eric Davis, who I don't know who he stole this from probably, but like, yeah. it's the parents are having a big party downstairs and you've sent your nine year old kid upstairs. He's got to go to sleep. We're having a party down here. You're, you're going to go to bed. But, <laughs> The nine-year-old kid sneaks down the stairs and charms the guests by being a little silly kid, by being cute, and wins and wins time back from the adults wow. until his parents are like, no, that's it. You got to go back. But he keeps coming down and with that mischievous trying to play mm. and still and wins, keeps winning. And that's what clown is. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. I'm gonna steal that yeah, too. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I remember great. Dave, yeah. uh, Eric uh, Eric saying that. Um, I remember him saying that, and that it, I do like that illustration. I don't even know what how I, I explain it to people when I. When I think I of it like a spark, it. like the spark of play. Um, oh my goodness! I saw something so amazing. So I teach at a school for emotionally disturbed teenagers, yeah. and that runs the range from like anywhere from heavy autism to just depressed kids who like won't go to school no matter what and they have to be like coaxed to be just even attend and they're creating problems but besides that there you'd be like oh i had no idea there's something wrong with you right okay so there was on on the last day before the the winter break there was a uh, a big event like a big like you know all the classes got did something together uh you know each little class right um and one of the classes did that song by I think Elvis. It's like a Hawaiian Christmas song, like, like maybe it's not by him, but it's like Blue it's Christmas like, or something. Like that. Mm, is it like Makalaka Haka is the song I sing? You oh, know that song? Oh no, no, I know Ralph's face just got scared. Like he was like, oh, what are you talking? No, that's yeah. that's you never heard that Christmas song? I don't think so. It's it's anyway. It's like a Christmas song. It has like a ukulele in it. Yeah, and uh, the kids are wearing grass skirts, and this kid who I'm talking about has like. He he's like has meant he has autism heavy heavy autism so he's like just it's like a lot of it's like you're talking through a gauze to him and like you don't necessarily have like a 
you know what I mean? And he's got uh, developmental issues. Anyway, he's um, doing the dance, right? He's doing the hand movements. He's also aware that the audience is liking him. So intermittently, he's blowing kisses to the audience, right? But his his grass skirt is falling down. And he's only noticing it when it's at his knees. So then he stops paying attention to the audience and picks up his skirt and puts it back on his hips and forgets about it and then goes back to the dance and the movements and it starts falling again. But he's not doing a bit. He's genuinely in the moment and paying attention to the audience and his skirt's falling down and he's trying to keep up with the other kids who are like, ahead of him because they know the dance better and all these three things are happening like in the moment and i was like every clown i've ever seen tries to do what this kid is doing naturally and it's like they're not doing it this is a perfect yeah 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 that's that i love that illustration that makes it super clear like yeah I, i it's still something i'm teaching it now and doing it and it's still something i can barely wrap my mind around and like it's interesting how uh some people like i'm living in this apartment that uh, jared bates owns and he has such like an engineer and he told me he was doing engineering before he did such like an engineer's mind around like building bits and shows and ideas and to like i don't even understand that i would need to like collaborate with somebody who has the only thing that i that works for me is like the thing that's clear did you ever study with uh christopher bays only one workshop and it was too big to like learn anything right the the when i first saw him the first time i did a long workshop with him and i saw him teach i remember watching him and going like oh i'm like that where the thing that i can connect to is like i can look at somebody and i are you telling me the truth or not and it's very obvious yeah that's a i think that's like the one best skill of clown teachers and directors i feel like i have a little bit of that of like just calling bullshit on whether a thing is genuine or not i feel like total learned that from like deanna audrey eric yeah yeah and like trying to coax people toward that thing get to get closer to it and like and um and that's probably my favorite part all the bits and engineering and like building like i love that stuff but i don't have as much of a brain for that as i if it's like organically built, then I can be like, oh, yeah, that's fun. Do do this, do this. But like I don't have a brain to see all the – what well, do they call those machines? Rube Goldberg. Rube Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a cartoonist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish yeah. I could – I have a book of his work. I'll show it to you sometime. Yeah. Um, but you know what's funny? It's like the 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 expertly orchestrated uh, bit. Like, you know, um, did you see the movie uh, Being the Ricardos? No. With, I wish um, I had. So what's interesting about that movie is – uh, in it, they they spend a lot of time showing exactly this, which is um, Lucille Ball was a clown, you mm-hmm. know, definitely, and comes from like the tradition of. I got to reread. I read a biography right? of hers years ago. Yeah, and in it, like they spent in the movie, she, they spend a long sequence of her uh, orchestrating the bit. She's like, okay, he's gonna come over and knock into the table. The the vase is gonna fall down. I'm gonna like you know like working out the business, the stage business yeah. of it. And it is or it is engineering, right? Yep. Um, and I feel like that is, it's weird because like that example I told of the kid, uh, you know, the uh, who's like, you know, never going to get that dance right <laughs> without the thing falling yeah, off yeah, of it yeah. and like be distracted by the audience. And then it's like the, 
then it's like on the other side, we have like this whole, like a lot of teachers who are, you know, calculatedly building like an expertise of physical, um, like dexterous stuff. What, it, what, what they're not doing is failing and letting their ego be genuinely hurt, mm. which is like maybe the hardest thing. And I think no, nobody really does it. Like we really truly live in a, in a world where like everyone is putting up subterfuge so that they don't actually get genuinely hurt and be made to look like failures. And that's truly what the clown is. Like mm. it's truly to be there like with your like being pantsed and the world sees that you have even really super tiny dick, right? That's what that you know that would be the ultimate like like that that's what the like the clown is to be to to be generous enough to take all of your mm. scrutiny and be hit like in the heart, right? Mm. With it. Mm. And I feel like I mean even like for grading animals like I completely was in mask. Like I very I was like uh you know, saying funny things. I was always protected. You really didn't get to know who I was. I, I wouldn't say that there was, a, there might have been like vulnerability in it, but like it was definitely protect. It was not clown in the sense of like mm. really letting yourself be um, like, like getting the, e like the ego punch of like you're fail you're failing you're made to look like a fool yeah, you're being yeah. laughed at not with at yeah and like especially with um our society being so um hypersensitive of like identity and stuff it's like uh don't even come near the borders don't even come near the borders to to say that um, I am not living up a, a utopia like that's what I do love that about um about teaching clown right now is that I think my students, especially the, the, the grad students I teach, like, cause they're a little bit older and more in the world and in the industry. I think they don't realize once they get on the other side of it, how much they needed that, how much they needed to, um, one of my favorite things that I like to say, I don't know if I got this from Bayes or whatever, but like in, in improv and in clown, I'll like teach a game. Sometimes I have a very good reason why I'm playing the game. And even if I do, sometimes I'll still do this. And sometimes I don't have a good reason. And um, we'll play a game that I just, I, I like playing. And then I'll sit the kids down after the game, like I usually do and go, uh, okay, so, you know, we're studying uh, improv or we're studying clown. What does this game have to do with that? What do you think? And then they'll all give an answer. And some of them are very considered and very thoughtful. And I'll go, okay, all right. And uh, and then they'll all finish. I'll go, yeah, I don't know why we play this game. It's just <laughs> it's a stupid game. I don't yeah. know why. Uh, you know, and just to create that, like, this is stupid. Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And then it puts in the room when they do something that might be embarrassing or vulnerable. I'm like, yeah, this is all stupid. Who cares? It, totally. You totally. Know? I feel the same way about teaching art like I'm very uh you know like I'm like I do anatomy and I do like linear perspective like sort of like really technically mm -hmm. like not just like f some type of free form uh you know like a fruit like you know airy type of stuff but it's like it's like uh concrete yeah. uh, the reason I teach that stuff uh is also because I want to the school I teach at I need to have discipline I need to have like like be a little bit more rote where I'm like we're going to go through this process and you're going to actually have something at the end of it. But at the same time, like I, in the same way, I'm just like, who cares? It's a, it's a drawing. Who gives a shit yeah. if you can draw or not? It doesn't matter in the big yeah. scheme of things. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, that that having that attitude, I'm surprised by how much that is liberating for students. I think I lose sight because I've been I've been doing improv since I was 16, and I, like you said, we I started studying clown like like 13 years ago. So I, those two things have been concurrent in my life. So like that is my outlook most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes I get caught up in something else, but most of the time it's like we're playing a game this is stupid try your best and then if you fail whatever who cares the point is that you did your best that is my outlook and i that's outlook that i bred and cultivated myself because i knew it was important somehow and i'm astounded that that isn't everyone's outlook all the time i I forget that that isn't how everyone looks at life and it well it's difficult to look at life because i feel like the truth is is that we don't want to look back at our whole life and say like, oh, we failed and we didn't didn't accomplish it. You know, because if you think about the clown or like the arc of a like like a comedy, it's like you fail. You would fail at every story arc. You know what I mean? Like you would not want to, like in the it the story of like it's a heroic story. You know, you win and you save the princess and. The, and that's not a, that's a heroic arc. A comedic arc is you botch every aspect of it and you fail and you fuck up, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we and then that's the, the almost the poetry of comedy is that like you see, we see life as it is as a like a meaningless thing to be laughed at. The 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 um the irony of all these failures. So we can instead of like protecting ourselves and pretending that like things are going to work out we laugh at the fact that like you know our house burned down and like it's it's like it's almost nihilistic but it's it's realistic too it's you're just making me think about you know the greatest sitcom of all time seinfeld and like how you know they had the no hugging no learning which is what made it this like pure oasis of comedy it's like the maybe the purest comedy ever in a sitcom maybe um but even in that, it's like, well, you can see from season one to season, what was like the peak season, probably season six or five, you can see in that span how much how much they dial in on their characters, how much they really refine that the, the, that um, style of, you know, that this kind of overlapping style of stacking all these stories. So it's like, it's almost like there's no hugging, no learning in the actual story, but in the meta there's all this growth and change and evolution, even to the point where it becomes overripe, where by the very last season, it's like, okay, it's pretty evident that this needs to end now. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, um, in pers- there's like a, there's a whole heroic arc in uh, like perfecting your artistic craft, bringing yourself like becoming sharper. And like, that's, that's what I think what you're talking about. It's like, you're watching all of these creative people like, at this, um, at the funnel of all these things coming together, like all of the things had, that had to come together to make a mm. show like that, all the talent, all like the good, all the right, and it's yeah. like they get to double down on it, and like, f- like year after year, like you get further down like the funnel until like it's certainly con- like, uh, mm. like all concentrated, right? Yeah, it's the tightest it could be, yeah. Right, but like uh, in terms of like the. The meaning or whatever, like the the output, it is like still that like pu- what I call pure comedy because I always like um, you know uh, like Eastbound and Down or Vice Principals or um, like anything Danny McBride does. I always think of as as very pure comedy. It's always like a punch in the face, and it's it kind of is no hugging, no learning. 
But you can have heart in that. You can still have heart in a storytelling like that. Whereas like Judd Apatow's stuff undercuts his comedy with hugging and learning. And I always think it's a weaker product. Really? I think it's a weaker product because it's like, it's like there's a real asshole character who's the villain. Now I have half an hour of why I should empathize with him in a dramatic way. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. Just make him be the asshole. And I'll hate him for being the asshole, but I kind of love him too. That's so odd because to me, that's like... Uh, Judd Judd is like a step he's the the protege of the people that I think are perfect like to me uh, like my favorite director of all time is um I can't even remember his name now the guy who directed uh, Terms of Endearment and and as as good as it gets uh, no I don't know the guy I know as good as it gets I never saw a term I'm forgetting his name now wait fucking, is Terms of the Endearment the guy who created Simpsons Matt Groening? Matt Groening? No, no, no. The uh, the the guy, the comedy guy. He created t- a Taxi, Mary Tyler Oh Moore yes, show. yes. Uh, uh, what is his name? That's a good. That we should, we should we should whatever his name is should be the title. Of this yeah, yeah. He's my favorite director of all time, and to me, he does just that, which is like. But to me, it's like he doesn't undercut the comedy. He uses the comedy as a weapon. It's like right. here's this dramatic story, and I'm gonna I'm gonna slice in, into yeah. it with with comedy. Yeah, and also I feel like you know it's like um, right. What I just told you about like my perception of like what pure pure comedy and like this other sort of like hybrid, it's that's like aesthetically what I love. Yeah. Like because I, I want to be destroyed by comedy, but mm. I'll say this like, um, and even like just sort of bring it around at least to what I'm going through in like this like transitional creative stage. It's like, I think you make the things that you need, right? Mm. Like um, mm. the, the art, like I, like at that, you know, maybe sometimes you you want to create something that has a heart and a soul and is comforting to you. And is like, you know, it's, it's final output. Like, warms your soul or something like that and it's a heartwarming tale it's like you know it's like a a singer doesn't put a a musician doesn't put the same song 12 times on the album maybe maybe some punk rock bands do but but like you know what i mean like you'll have like a a song you know that that talks about something different right so it's like the songs in the key of life right it's every different need for a life a life needs all these different tones right so i think that like um you know, even art like, you know, like Anthony Jessen, like who's like, you know, I would another example of just like pure, like cutthroat, you know, like almost like humanityless comedy. Even his later stuff is like more well-rounded. And it's like, as you get older, you're... And that's the stuff that I like. Yeah. I like the, the, the stuff that's a little bit, tiny bit warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's and it's interesting, like, because to me, I think we're just talking about ratios. Like, there's not no heart. I think that's. Oh, I hate bringing this up. Actually, uh, I'm not gonna bring it up. But there's not there's not no heart in in Seinfeld. There's heart, but it's not like family ties. No, absolutely. And I think like it comes down to. So you ever heard of you? You know the book by John Vorhaus, the the comedy toolbox, the mm-hmm. comic toolbox. It's a book I use for my teaching all the time. But like, um. He's like every comic character needs like four components, right? It's like you have your comic perspective, which is what your character wants or doesn't want, their deal, you know? Um, You have their flaws, you know, and you have their humanity. And it's like um, their humanity is run through their flaws. So it's like, do you remember 
Matt Donnelly had an exercise where he's like, your character wants to help the other character, but they're going to fuck it up through their flaws. Mm -hmm. So they're going to try to help. Like, it's like, um, maybe the character's narcissistic, right? But he cares about his friend. Friend's mother just died, right? So it's like, he wants to help. So he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Your mother just died. You know, my hamster just died today and then goes and talk because that's how he's trying to help by talking about himself and a minimal problem that he has. Mm. So it's like, yes, the characters all have humanity. They all are trying and they're flawed. And we, I think, like, uh, give, we like, we like, we, we don't see, we don't like, um, they're funny because of their flaws. So we don't like hate them. We're like, we see, we empathize with them, even though, even though their character, they're, they're bad. Most comic characters are bad, you know. Yeah, that is that you're pinpointing something for me though, which is like one of the things that has annoyed me in the last few years uh, when people talk about Seinfeld is like, well, all these characters are horrible people, and to me, that's like a very modern, very 2010s. It's a very utopian idea that that there are people that we're not all. Bad. Yeah, because when I look at those characters, when, when as a kid when I would watch, it's just like that character is just being lazy. They're just trying to get instant gratification. But this good or bad person, like this person, just doesn't want to babysit this person or whatever. They wanted, they want to do something convenient. But like, who isn't like that? That's why we're laughing at it. It's not because oh, look at these bad people. I'm gonna laugh at them being bad. This distancing way of this is you know, a thing. I've never looked at a motivation of any of the characters on that show and been like, and felt like oh, I didn't feel like that at some point. There's a. I mean, I don't want to. We can this conversation can mutate. But there's this way of. Um, it's almost like. Uh, there's a way of talking about media where you don't even have to know about it, but if you know the right things to say about it, you can leverage the person you're talking to and and be superior to them. Because this Seinfeld argument, I feel like people say it, and they've never actually seen the show Seinfeld, but they want to trump you in a conversation to be like, I have a superior way of uh, under, uh, I'm better than you. Yeah. And this is what every... that's The law of the jungle is just our society. It's like... Yeah. I'm uh, a friend said to me, this is some shit. A friend said some shit to me a couple of weeks ago that fucked me up that I didn't realize. He said, he just introduced to me the idea. So I'm, you know, I'm going through a breakup or I've gone through it. He introduced to me this idea of power dynamics and the fact and the idea that like my ex, uh, the, the, the power Maybe it shifted where I always had the power and now it shifted. Mm. It never occurred to me in the whole time, like we were together four and a half years, that there was any power, that I had power, that, you know what I mean? To me, it was always like, oh, we're partners, we're trying to build something together. Yes. Never occurred to me that there was power, that there was a struggle for power. Never, not once. And like, it's almost like, it fucks me up that that's something I have to now think about for like the rest of my life. It's a weird thing about that. I mean, I feel like in my life, I've always felt like I've had no power. Hmm. You know, when I was doing uh, improv and and clown and stuff, I was always like playing a low status character. Easiest thing for me because hmm. I know how to be a low status character and get away with shit and be like whatever, just like play that. It's like part of a role in my life. It's so real to me. Mm. Um, and as I've gotten older, um, and not even trying, yep. but like 
I guess from age and experience, I'm not a low status character in my life. Yep. So it's like, um, it's almost like I have seen that uh, the way people behave around me, uh, I'm not being treated like a like a small piece of shit anymore. And I'm just like, what? How did this change? Like this is this is a different thing. I think like a character like um, Larry David. Mm. is an example of a character he's not low status he's actually extremely high status he almost plays that like like the white clown you know what i mean in his show where it's like mm. he's still in he has other people fucking shit up for him and he's also an unreliable right, character right. but he's not like um i would say like the girls from broad city are low status in their world they're like right. trying to fucking figure things out and they're fucking it up along the way you know Right. That's so, man, isn't it interesting how that works? Like, yeah, I just, I identify so much with being, I never felt like a piece of shit, but I always felt like I identified with like the scurrying, trying to make it, trying to learn, trying to, and now it's like, man, I am not in a scurry anymore. I still want to be, and I have to accept that I'm not. And I have to accept like what makes it, it's hard to accept. And what makes it even worse is that like, like what you're saying, you weren't even trying. You just turn around one day and you're like, Oh, everybody moves when I talk. Like I, I have, that's a responsibility that I have to now embrace and use. And it's fucking, if I want to be of any use and if I want to not hurt myself, because like sometimes I find that there, sometimes I've found in my life that there is like almost like a, um, I think some of these things precipitated my breakup. I don't know. I, I really can't know. But like sometimes I find that it's like almost a, an animosity or resentment that comes from the fact that like you have a power and you're not using it or embracing it. It's almost like you're being irresponsible. It's like people are looking at you. Like one thing I've thought is like I still try to move around and live like I'm this like scurrying little this little scamp. And so I think the image that I have in my mind is like, I'll talk and people will be like, Oh, a King is talking and they'll turn and look and it's like some hobo. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and they're almost be angry about it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the, um, you know, it's like we can, uh, like think about like the clown archetype of like, like a scamp or a failure or like a person with no credibility or a, you know, a, t a total loser, you know what I mean? And that's like, we are, uh, like when, we're, like especially when we're younger, like that's close to it because in life we don't have status. We're trying to like scamp, scurry around to try to like cobble together a, an identity that can, like it's almost like that um that gross language that gets thrown around of adult adulting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ugh. But like what that is supposed to mean is like a little kid putting on you know, getting two of his friends and stacking himself up in a, in a big coat, pretending to be adult. Um, and then that's, and then it's like, it, it, you know, that's why it's weird. Like life, maybe that's why like heroic stories and comedy stories are in contrast because it's like, um, if you graduate to adulthood, then you have already kind of done like a heroic arc because you, you defeated like, or not defeated, but you like, you you now no longer have to deal with that scurrying anymore. Whether it's that you've like gotten to a place where you're more comfortable or you know what you want. I always heard, I always heard this like in your uh, 
I fuck it. Let me see if I can remember it. Like in your twenties, you like you don't you don't know what you want, and and then and in your thirties, you do what you want. Like you you you're like you know that like you're not you don't want to like be all completely haphazard and scattered like that. Like you're you're done with it. Like in a lot of times, like you'll see memes of like. It's like, oh, I'm going to bed early. I'm going to bed after one glass of wine. Meanwhile, like when you're in your 20s, you're like all out the, at the club and you're going crazy and you're hanging out. And it's like the idea is that like now I know myself better and I don't need to put myself through all those hoops to find an excitement. Now I'm like, I'll watch something on TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, but for in like the the comedic like you know, like cl- like a clown. It's like you almost kind of think of like you can stay in that like immaturity forever, right? Like the mm. like that archetype is like, what do you mean? You now I have to now I have to like I will never abandon that because how is that character going to win? That character can't evolve, mm. you know. It's so. I don't know if I we've ever talked about this. How old were you when you realized what it is that you wanted to do with your life? I mean, what I want to do with my life. I'm yeah. like in a existential crisis. I don't know what I'm doing now. Ha. I, uh, I guess for me, I want to rephrase it because I, I, I don't know if we're similar in this or if we're, we're similar in a lot of things. I don't know if we're similar in this or not. But like, I know, you know, uh, we we both had our birthday in, in November, right? Yep. So when my ex broke up with me, I was 37. So right when that happened, that marked just about 30 full years of just being an artist for me. Like okay. when I was seven, I was like, I'm going to be an artist. I thought I was going to draw comic books for a living, but that turned into rapping and that turned into uh, acting and making comedy. But to me, all those things are exactly the same. They feel exactly the same. Yeah. So like, Basically at seven, I was like, this is what I want to do. And I, I knew when I was seven and I just had that. Mm. I just, I did just that for 30 years straight. And um, so it's always, and so now I find myself at the point where I'm like, I still want to do this thing. I still want to make art, but I sort of, it's very unclear to me why or and what I should be aiming it at now. That is very shaken up in my in my mind in my life so now i'm sort of and i also have to i wonder if you relate to this too i also have to admit that like pretty much every dream i had since i was seven i accomplished it the only thing that didn't happen is i didn't become richer famous but like those were never really the dreams those were always going to be byproducts hopefully of of like what I wanted, which was like to master these things and get to do them as much as I want. You know what? Yeah. You're having your, this is something that I've also, yeah. So I agree. There's something that I've, I recently had an almost identical uh, experience of that. You know, I've done things, I've done the things that I've wanted to do. So it, it, um, it was like emotionally crushing to feel like this thing, grading animals I built like would end in my heart. Mm. For whatever reason, I think also because it was like really um, like buoyant by the pandemic Mm. because it's like allowed me to just be in like a bubble of creation and didn't have to do anything. But also like um, that maybe mares and caps is like has has not is like I don't know where where to take it. You know what I mean? Like we both live in another, you know, it's just different things. And also by being 
you know, 40 in our 40s. Like it's not the same as when we were 36. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and then exactly like you, you think, well, I want, I wished it could be more successful or like maybe sustain, like a sustaining like life career. On the other hand, all these things that I wanted to do, like I did, like I did improv and stand up in the city. I had a band that toured the country and made an album from, I, I made a, a thing that went out to a bunch of people that was like my own, my own vision. I may, had a collaboration with somebody, you know what I mean? Like I, what didn't I, what didn't I do? And, yeah. and because of that, that gives you, oh, and here goes, it gives you experience. Yep. And like, it's funny in Canadian clowning, the masks, you make masks and the two sides of the masks are innocence and experience. And the one side of the, the experience side is always a meditation of having something, having someone you love and letting them go. It's like, it's like six meditations where you kind of guidedly like work yourself into a creative frenzy and you imagine somebody in your life and you imagine letting them go like on like a trip that you'll never see them again. Um, and it's weird to bring up these ideas is that like from a creative person who like, like you and I both have birthed things and did all these things, but like time, you know, a glory fades in time. Like we, like you don't hold on to those things. They happen and they go on. And then you, we, what, what are you left with? You're just left with living. Right. Having had made them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I was talking with someone the other day. I had a, a buddy of my friend, Carrie blue, we were talking about how we we had done this podcast for like maybe six months together that was like we were like feeling like whoa this is great and um there's a couple of things like that in my life even that are including my last relationship that were like whoa this is as good as anything i've ever dreamed of maybe better like a couple things in my life like that and and all of them sort of had their time and then ended for whatever reason. And oh God, I'd still don't know how to reckon with that except to believe like I'm in a, I'm in this moment now where I have to believe that there's two things in my life that I've come to. One is that, when I was a kid, I when I was younger, I thought, man, wanting to make art and trying to pursue art as a career is selfish. It was so selfish and so indulgent. But then I had to think, like, if there is a God, there can't be – it would be tortures. It would mean that, that that God is malevolent, that he would put a desire in your heart to make something and that there wouldn't be a reciprocal – like somebody needs it as much as you need to make it. If you need to make it that bad, somebody needs it that bad. I, I have to believe that I have to, if there was a just God, I have to believe that that's true. Um, so I just abandoned that feeling of like, Oh, it's selfish that I want to make this, that I want to essentially just spend my life having fun. I have to believe that somebody needs me to do that. And then the other, th the, the new realization that I've had is like, Every time there's this thing that I'm like, wow, I can't believe I get to do this and it ends. I have to believe that that was for my good and that was 
part of the plan and like the fact that it ended isn't um a tragedy but maybe even like just a chapter in the story that totally like, moving forward totally i know i feel like that's a little bit of i mean it like it's it's just having faith of that this interim period of transition is not like the end and like also when you look back at your life i mean i'm so grateful that i've been able to have all of these different things you know like i fell into like whatever creative moment and it wasn't because like you don't even know why you're doing the things you're doing like you don't know why and it's like when things work out for you it's not because you followed the rules all the time it's like it happened like especially we were talking before the show it was like you and i both had a period of time where we listened to a lot of interviews of other creative people who made it mm-hmm. and it's like every story is different and every like opportunity is like unique to itself and some people were in collectives and some people did it independently and it's like you listen to enough of those and you're like it there's no way there's no reason for a thing to happen or not like some people are lucky some people are unlucky some people get great success and then have horrible tragedy in their life that like underscores like their need to like like be you know what i mean it's like so it's like there's no there's no there's no like answer to it it's just you have to either keep doing the thing and like keep finding like uh like what is uh, giving you that spark you know and then hopefully you can you can lean toward that in the in and you know paying for your life and all the other shit that you got to do and like hopefully lean into your joy your joys and your creative gifts that like i think that there's a thing about in christianity where like uh god gives like uh, you're given gifts and it's a sin if you don't use them yeah 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 the you're yeah you're wrong to not use them you must it's like once you know you have to do something about it, you have to pursue it. Um, and I don't even know if that's Chris. I don't know. I, I don't think even it know. Might be, I don't know if it's it's something in there, but there there's yeah. definitely yeah. Like oh, I think all all the time about the story of the talents, right? Like th- this rich landowner has like three servants, and he gives each of them like a sack of gold, and he's like, um, I'm leaving town. I need you to hold on to this money for me. And he doesn't explain why. He's just like, you guys hold on to this money. Then he leaves town for like two months and he comes back. And one one guy's like, uh, I took a risk and I invested in a couple of businesses and I 10 times your money. So here it is. And the and the landowner's like, all right, cool. And this guy's like, um, I didn't really know what to do, so I just put it in the bank and it collected interest, and here's your interest. And the landowner's like, all right, cool, great. And this other guy's like, I didn't know what you wanted me to do, and I was scared I was going to lose, so I just buried it under the ground. And um, so here, here's your... And he's and the landowner's like, I left for I left for all this time, and you didn't do anything with this money? You just, you just buried it? I think he puts him to death. Wow. I've never heard that story before. Yeah, yeah. Either puts him to death or, like, enslaves him for longer or something. Holy shit. But, like, yeah, because he didn't have the courage to try to do something with it. Wow. And that's sto- called the story of the talents? Yeah. The, and and the, the, the talents is, like, just the name of the currency. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a story. I've been living with that story like my whole life. Yeah, mm. it's vi- yeah, and it. So yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a sin if you have some sort of. I don't even want to say 
a gift or a calling or whatever. I prefer calling because to me it's like I don't think to this day I don't think I ever had any and I'm being sincere any natural talents beyond like um that story you told like my grandmother lived in a in a old folks home and at like a independent living old folks home in Starrett City in Brooklyn and they would have every now and then they would have these parties i don't know when when they would have them but they would have these big parties in their like a uh, gathering space whatever and my grandma took me to these parties and i don't know what came over me i would just start dancing and the old people would be like so into it. And I'd just be like dancing and just going crazy. And I could fucking dance. And I didn't even know. I'm like, I'm like eight or something. And I'm just like going wild dancing. And um, then I would look for these parties and always uh, want to, and uh, you know, get ready to, you know, oh man, I'm going to dance. And like, that is the thing that I have in me. I just have that like, oh, if there's a party, I'm going to fucking, da- I'm going to show off and it's going to be so fun for me to to do that. So like that, I think I have, no matter what it is, if it's comedy, if it's acting, if it's drawing, if it's whatever, I just have that thing in me. I do know that. And I, so maybe that is a talent or something, but like, so that thing in me and it's not diminished at all. Like I always want to do it. That's so awesome. I was thinking about, I was thinking about that uh, type of energy because there's something that I'm not like, you know, I guess after the pandemic, I've been, I've not returned to like the lifestyle that I had before. Hmm. Like the lifestyle I had before is I was working in this office job and then every minute of my life I was tending to these pursuits that I was doing. Like I would go, I would be doing a lot of stand up. I'd be just like working on my, writing project Marianne um you know I think I just started grading animals doing I was like I built my studio in my apartment and it's like I was living like sort of in like a in my own like mental rat race like I was like I'm chasing something it's like Kafka like day job like I'm this person and then after work I'm this other person right and uh then like the pandemic happened I was able to like fully become whatever my imagined of like uh, my creative life. Like I fully like to the point where I burned myself out. Like I, I put everything I had into it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like my, the circumstances of my life. Uh, like I teach, uh, I teach art to kids who like, it's really rewarding. Like I got to say like my, like I'm actually genuinely rewarded by doing my job. I, I love the opportunity to like be with these kids and like, be the type of strict scrutinizing but like getting good work out of kids and like guiding them through this thing it's like very good for me right Mm. um and i think maybe just like that it's like three years down the road i'm not as like driven to fight for something that i feel like is like an unwinnable thing like Mm. as i've i've looked at like i was like i told you i was like oh maybe i want to take another improv class or like this is like i don't really make as much money as i did before and it's like man, like I, like, I'd rather be, like, I don't have the energy to like fight for a thing that I was, I almost like, I know what I'm like, I'm, I know what's on the other side of it. Right. There's like something in the creative communities that is a battle, right. That's a mm-hmm. battle against all the other egos and all the other, you know, everyone fighting for their own like delusion of success. Right. Now, something that you just brought up before about the dancing, like, I was thinking, like, what do I actually want 
to do? What do I want to express? And I've been making a joke on this podcast uh, recently because like, I genuinely want to go and play a song at some open mic somewhere in the middle of nowhere that everyone knows and we all sing along to it. Mm. Like, I have a bunch of songs that I can play like just on guitar and that I can sing. And what I want to do is in a very almost clown way, like go up, make eye contact with everyone, be like, I might fuck this up. Like I might fuck this up, but like you all know the song. So let's all sing this song. To, like I'm going to sing it. And you know, almost like the, the game hotspot. Mm-hmm. And like, and I'm like, that might be joyful. Like I might actually enjoy doing that. Mm. I'm like, I don't really know. I'm like, I don't know why, but like, honestly, this recurring idea is a thing that I've been, it's like, that's something that I would think was fun. And it's like, it's following this, just the joy without any context of like, uh, oh, is this going to be good for my artistic career? Like, yeah, (laughs) those, I mean, it's funny because. It's almost like sometimes we get things wrong because we look at it from the wrong direction. Like like um like thinking about if some if a movie or if a song is commercial or not. Like, oh man. Um, yeah, like is is this commercial? We're really like that's the perversion of it, but really it's like, is there an entry point for somebody who doesn't make art? to engage with this and empathize with it. Can they be carried along whether or not they know anything about the genre? Um, Which takes a lot to do. Like that's like being basically being able to explain it to me like I'm a six year old, which means you understand it the most, you know? So like, I I think in the same way, like what, what is good or not for my, for your career, I've, I think I've always felt this way, but it's like, well, if you have a curiosity for it and an attraction to it, it must be, not only must there be other people who feel that way, but that must, it, we must be in that moment in the world where, where that, that thing is happening. Like, like right now I feel, I really can feel um, like there's so many so many breakups happening right now. Some like right now. And it's like, man, there's something in the world right now where I remember thinking this a few weeks ago where like, I, you know, I make music. I don't think that I make music that is for all seasons. I don't think I'm like French Montana where you always want to put my song on and it, it, it's exciting. I think, or even somebody like, I think, uh, Kendrick Lamar is the same way. I don't think he's someone that you want to listen to. I don't think so either. To Pimp a Butterfly all the time. There's certain seasons and moments where it's like, wow, I really needed this. Um, And so I think um, when when somebody finds, when somebody recognizes a season like that, or when you yourself are like, man, I'm just feeling like this right now. It's like, well, maybe other people are feeling like that. Or in the three years it takes you to make this thing, people are going to really feel that way. Maybe that's why this fell on you at this moment, you know? And, um, and there is something, there is something to, I keep, I was thinking about this other moment in this interview. Nobody ever brings this up, but I, I I always think about this where 
somebody was asking Jay-Z about his marketing strategies and how he comes up with his albums. And he goes, I don't think about marketing when I'm making my songs. I make what I'm going to make. And then me and my team figure out who and where and how do we sell this thing that we made. You know, maybe we'll adjust it because the market is going, oh, we want this. And I go, oh, well, I made this and this and this that feeds into that. So let's foreground those. But he said, like, I only I make what I want to make. Then I figure out how to sell it. So, yeah, I really. Maybe it's always that way, like I really feel like the thing you have inside you that is screaming out like you do want to figure out where and how it's useful who needs this who needs this thing that i want to make and maybe you'll find that there's a whole fucking screaming crowd of people who are like god i've been waiting for this yes you know? a cover song that's what i think people <laughs> yeah, want probably <laughs> look at going to any thai restaurant and just listen to fucking <laughs> they're living off of this fucking <laughs> sequence of bossa nova cover music that's what's powering every thai restaurant in this i mean country. you know it's funny it's like i um it's like you get caught up in your in the identity of like what you are you know what I mean? Like you can think, oh, you're a clown or improviser or whatever, or whatever, whatever it is, whatever identity box you put yourself in. And then the further you go down those things, like you're reluctant to, I mean, you haven't actually been like this because you've always like had your hand in different artistic realms. But I think I really did not because like, you know, I started out playing music and I'm not saying that like I'm becoming a musician, <laughs> but even to like say that, oh, this is something that I enjoy doing. And like, I'm somewhat proficient at it. I'm not like a rank amateur, you know what I mean? But like, I almost to like, let that be like a shared sense of self. Like I was like, oh, I'm doing comedy, comedy stuff. And then it's like, oh, but I also want to like, just play for, you know, really truly for the joy of it. Like the kid coming down the stairs, right? Like, and it's like, yeah, like I put up a lot of my own barriers of even thinking about this. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh my God. But like, what if I go and. And I'm like, what if I go, who am I upsetting? I have to remind myself, I don't have a career in comedy. Mm-hmm. I'm not anything. Mm-hmm. I'm free to do whatever I want, you yeah. know? And that's kind of cool. And even if you were, I mean, yeah, that's... But do you understand what I mean, yeah, though, yeah, right? Yeah, I totally understand. I'm trying to, like, wrap my mind, because I don't think I have that fear actively, but I do know it exists somewhere in me, like... You know, it's been a fight for me in just the last few years to like just uh, not a fight, but I've had to like be very deliberate about calling myself a comedian. Like I pitch myself. Well, are you a clown? Are you an improviser? Then you're a comedian. Then I'm a comedian. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. But like that is because I don't stand up looms so large, man. Well, there's also this like powered by insecurity. The same thing. It's like I'm like, where does this fucking bravado ego of i'm a stand-up mm. because what because you go to a because you have like a, a boys club that you go to for the last few years and drink and like you're also you also don't have a career in comedy nobody does mm. so stop so but the attitude about it is like you're not you're a, a civilian you don't know about what about yeah. fucking going to a bar and like and marginally making your friends jealous of you if you have a good joke like it's all cutthroat meanness anyway there nobody's fucking friends with each other there's so much of like uh these days of like and you don't i feel like it's you know like anything it's less with the people who are great at it but a lot of stand up 
around our level is just like, yeah, how how much can I show I don't care and I don't have feelings? How much can I just do a, a very like sullen, morose take on something that's happening in the world? Uh, you know, a lot of it is like sometimes it sometimes it bums me out. Not always because there's a lot of very wonderful comics that I, that I see out there. And even the people who do exactly what I'm talking about, I think many of them are wonderful. But like there's a lot of just this idea that stand up is this one thing, which is like. Well, especially in New York, I feel like New because New York has it's, uh, you know, it's like highly competitive and, you know, you you have to. In any creative scene, you have to lie to yourself to keep going because it's mm. you swallow a lot of shit, whether you're a musician, whether so you have to kind of callous yourself to be like, yeah, um, we're doing it and we're better. And it is honestly, you're better for for doing it yeah. than not doing it. Yeah. Like um, it hurts. Like I feel like I'm I feel like I'm a quitter because like I haven't been out on the scene. You know what I mean? I feel mm. like something's died. I feel like, oh. If only like I was doing, but you know what I mean? Like you also got to follow your heart. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. But if you were doing it, you have to like relinquish yourself to the fact that like, oh, it's, it, you can do all of that and it will still feel bleak and meaningless. And it's mm. like, you're not going and you're getting older and younger people are, and the, the, the scene is going to change. And if you start doing good, the people are not going to have your back because it's all like, you know, there's three spots and there's 3,000 people. Mm. So, um, yeah, like it's, I think that, I think a lot of it is um, uh, protection from everyone. And I think even like the, the improvisers and clowns, like we mentioned before, like being in their like little sub scenes. also protection. It's because they feel like, well, th if they could unpretentious themselves and be part of like the gen pop you know, scene, Comedy, yeah. but they need to do all this extra shit as a barrier, mm. as a barrier of just going up there and being telling morose takes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because there's probably some disgust about that too. And the, every each side is looking at each other with disgust, but all of that is like about self protection because there's probably also underneath this, like, oh, they get to do that or they get. To, somebody was like, oh, imp uh, stand ups don't like improvisers because they're happy. <laughs> um yeah i that's a very i love th this idea and this take of like maybe as going forward so much of the new adventure is like i know that my tendency or that what i want to do is to protect myself what if I can actively push against that and try not to and make myself available to for total failure? I'm I'm learning uh boxing now. Oh wow. I go I try to go every morning at six AM, but I don't always make it. Today I went at nine. Um and like, you know, sometimes um they'll let us spar just on just with body work. I haven't been like in a gym with headgear and mouth guard to do like a full sparring. But in some ways, that's more dangerous because I've had a bunch of people hit me in the face when we're supposed to be just hitting on the body. And you're like, hey, I stop want to. that. I want to. You should. Now, that would be really <laughs> awesome, dude. I will. Being the biggest point. pussy at the, the boxing gym, now yeah. you're talking. So, but that that is like just opening yourself up to like wanting to be like, I'm a 38 years old and be like, stop hitting me in the face. That rules. While we're boxing. <laughs> and... Um, you know, and or or just having to take it and like, 
and just being, you know, 38 and trying to learn a totally new skill where you're a beginner, where you look dumb. And even in the days where you feel like you're growing, then the next day you'll like spar with somebody who's only two years ahead of you and he's so much better than you. And you're like, how the, f- I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get to this place and know that that guy's not even near being able to be a pro. And you just, just, just humbled and know that like, oh, I'm in this room where if I get into a conflict in this room, this the guy I'm getting into a conflict with could probably kick my ass. And, oh, man, I'm thinking about this quote that Mike Tyson said that is fucking me up. He goes, um, I don't know why it is. I don't know why it's true. But at some point, everyone has to fight. <laughs> everyone. I, and and you, there's nothing you can do about it. You must fight. It's not just you're a pro or you're practicing boxing. You're just a person. You're just a regular person. Everyone at some point has to fight. I don't know why that is. And it's brutal and it's violent, but it's just how it is. I like it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. That's a cool. Whether it's true or not, it's cool. <laughs> it is cool. Yeah. But it's fucking. What makes it cool is that it's grueling and it's brutal and it's it's real. You know, we talked about uh, like this idea of like graduating from like the like the the scurrying little tramp to yeah. uh, you know the the person in control, mm. and then ironically, like I don't know if if it's projection or just being said, you end up losing that anyway. Yeah, because at a certain point, like you're gonna hopefully get old and also lose whatever power you attained anyway. You know what I mean? Hopefully get old and become a weak, frail, invisible nothing to society who all of your accomplishments, hopes, dreams, ideas will just be um, distilled down to you're an old, regressive nothing that we should discard out of society. And that will be the final marker of your entire existence. It's interesting, though, because the people who seem to accept that earlier and give it up earlier sort of get to hold on to it. I'm thinking particularly about Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali, people who, I mean, Muhammad Ali was kind of forced to, but always seemed to like be sort of making fun of like, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, just making a joke and, and laughing and being silly and playful and available. And, you know, and then as he got older, he was just kind of quaking, couldn't even talk. Yeah. And the same with Mike Tyson now. I feel like Mike Tyson is always just like, I'm a fool. I'm just like laughing at himself and, and making himself soft and showing his belly. And, and in some ways that makes us sort of be more reverent. Yeah, him. it was cool when he knocked that guy out on the plane, though. That ruled. <laughs> yeah. Yes, dude. That's the Mike Tyson Found it on that. <laughs> Yeah, dude. He uh, still got it. He still got it for sure. He fucking beat up fucking, what's his name, Roy Jones a couple, like a year ago. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, did that exhibition. But still is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a punk or anything, but man, the amount of softness that he allows himself to show and unsurety and like, is that a word? Just like insecurity and that he, I feel like, yeah, if you manage, I'm trying to think of somebody else who, James L. Brooks is the name of the that director I was thinking of, by the way. But somebody else who's just, who just manages to be like, they're totally in control, they're totally in power, they're totally powerful, but just, just shows their belly, shows their, I wish I could think of somebody yeah. else who's like that. Well, I mean, it's funny. It's like, that's, uh, that's like 
maybe the like the top level. Like that's like the top level of uh of like at least I think toward like like a clown or whatever that what we were talking about. It's like you want to be able to get to a place where you're fearless about your like fail like the the, the genuine aspects of hum- humanity that we are failures in, right? That like we're not like um we're not going to be uh uh you know revered all the like we're not going to revere and have power like a king and like demand like reverence mm. we're actually going to be you know like fun grandpas or something At like some that point. yeah yeah the- or is if whether that whether that's like the thing that you want out of it it's like i think that because like we kind of love um this like uh like clown we love the idea of it it's like well, what's the pathway? Uh, what's the pathway of like the life so that you can have, you can kind of like be in play for the whole time? And like, yeah. you know, when you think of like an austere leader or something like that, I'm like, ugh, who cares about that shit? I'm not, I'm not interested in like amassing power or being like, you know, something like that, which is like kind of, it's just not funny to me. But then the thing is that you get it. This is odd. So I just had two thoughts. One is that. I've always I've I, I this is an epiphany I like maybe I've missed some steps or or who knows it's like a big experiment because I don't I don't think at any point in my life I think maybe when I was real young but I gave up on it I don't think at any point I ever was trying to like beat my peers or compete with my peers in an active way mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not competitive but I I feel like I always skip steps because like it's like well I don't care what you do I'm trying to do what Jay Z does. I'm trying to emulate that. And it's sort of like, but I'm realizing that that's not common. Most people are like trying to compete with the people next to It depends on what, I think this is, uh, I think that it depends on how you engage with, like I'm not someone that has ever been able to be on a team. Like I'm not, like a, I'm not socialized. It's like become apparent to me that like even at this new job, like I'm not a person that knows how to be on a staff and be and be like, you know, a friendly office dude that's going to go out to drinks with people. It's just not my way. So in the same way that you were saying, like my way of competition is to see the playing field, know that like I don't really interact within it, go off and do my own thing that sort of, if I do it right, will level up on the, and everything is competition. You are, you know, Mm. but like, I know that, oh, by doing, like I just think of the same way with grading animals. It's like, I couldn't, sustainably compete with my peers so i was like let me try to do something where at least if i get recognized for it it's going to show that i am of this type of caliber of writing and or whatever so it's like i'm not directly competing but i'm competing in my own way yes you know what i mean so in the same way it's like yeah but that's everyone is doing that at the same time i think it's like that's what makes new innovations happen because it's like the law of the jungle it's like different birds evolving different ways of, you know, hiding from predators. Oh, fuck. I, I forgot what the other thing was. There, there's the... I forgot it. That's okay, dude. We're getting old. We're getting we're getting old. Holy shit. Uh, we're getting old. Well, I, we... You're probably the age right when Rodney Dangerfield started doing stand-up again. Right. And neither of us are as old as when Larry David started Seinfeld. Yes. You always you always put these 
uh, age things of when other artists got successful in hopes that you yourself won't be a total failure I, as you get old. I believe I believe I'm putting a spell out into the world and I, yes. I really believe that that's going to happen. And I feel that because already like things are happening to me right well, you're now. an Emmy winning I have, artist. I won a New York Emmy. Also, do you, uh, I don't know if I tell you this. I'm uh, starting at NYU this spring teaching. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm in this funky season of my life where th- uh, things, not all the things that I want, but some of the things that I want. The, the, uh, this is funny to say. On New Year's night, I was at Sh- Sh- our friend Sean Wickens house and uh, there was a guy there named Charles who I think has been around the improv scene for a while. And there was this young guy there who was probably like 23 or something who was like, hey, what's what's going on, guys? Oh, my God, that's funny, dude. Dude, you should Aww, do that, dude. It's that's like, cute. Yeah, just very, just like God too bless, much. Dude. He wanted, wanted uh, God bless him. And um, it's a kid. And he was like, you do improv, man? What do you do? You, are you an indie team or are you a house team? Blah, blah. Aww. And I was like, oh, I'm on a team. Uh, I'm on an indie team. We're called North Coast. And he's like, oh, it's like North Coast, East Coast, blah, blah. And then the guy, Charles, was like, oh, maybe he's like, 50 or late 40s or whatever he goes you don't want to do that that is like probably the most successful indie team in the city and i was like but you weren't taking like that no 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 no, not at all but he i wasn't at all i was just like he's you know he's just trying to make friends oh i know it's like and the guy wasn't he wasn't admonishing him but it was odd Oh, to see he's like, oh, you should have reverence. Those guys are as good as Centralia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Shut up, dude. So, but it was odd to be to for me to be like because you know my story is that I was around the scene for like 10, 12 years, never made a house team. To go from that to like, whoa, 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 don't don't do, you know, like to me it is it does become a I mean, you had the same story like of like you know, I remember what was it? Eight, no, six years ago. You being like, I don't get social media. I don't get what's going on. I'm not good on there. I hide on there. To then like having this uh, account with this thing that you made that you love, just go. Brrr, you know what I mean? Like everything in its time. If you're faithful, just like it just happens, and it's not in your control, and it's not going to be totally. how you want it or where you want it. But things will. I know it's weird. It's like I feel like in a weird way. I feel like metaphorically this time is like me at a sh- at the shore untethering my little boat and just being like all right whatever happens from here I don't know yeah. I don't know like I don't I don't know and like it it seems like too much unnecessary work to like critically be like this is my calculated move I'm just like no I maybe I'll just have fun from here on out yeah yeah I mean another thing will <clears throat> I remember thinking years ago that like what like look at Jerry Seinfeld who's had he's a guy who I don't think is I don't see him as calculated I don't see him as a guy who's making like career moves mm, but I, th- I see him as like um like a particularly insanely motivated person who is like at the right place at the right time and like was able to zone in I don't know sometimes these like like almost psychopathically successful people who are like super diligent i'm just like damn i i know i have a piece of that in me but i don't know like it's like 
I don't know. For me, it's difficult for me to like, um, like put myself in the same realm when I think of somebody like that. I'm just like, yeah. I feel that he probably does though. I feel that he would look at the two of us and recognize kin kinship. I because I feel like, like I if he looked at the two of us, he'd be like, "How come you didn't start doing this when you were seventeen and stop doing all the other stupid shit that you're doing? Like, why aren't you focused?" Like, maybe I, you know, it's like it's like I hear a lot of like you listen to like prof, like uh, pro comedians uh, podcasts and the way uh, like they deride like. It's like, oh my god! Like I stop by an open mic, and there's like some forty-three-year-old guy, like, just oh like, yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah, Christ! And it's like, you know what? You're right. Like, listen, you know what? You're right. That guy's Maybe. having fun. He's playing. He's playing uh, a cover song at an open mic, but he's having fun. Yeah, yeah. There maybe is some of that, but I think from when I look at him, I just see a guy who's just like, I, I. I'm disciplined that I do this. It makes me better and it brings me joy to do this, but it does take some, it's like going to the gym. It's like, yeah, I do got to rock myself into going to do that. But once I do it, I do it. And because of that, the, the point I was trying to make is like, you know, he had the successful stand-up career, which is like one, which is, there's a couple of people who've, who've done that. Then he gets a TV show. Okay, that's less people. Then that TV show becomes the greatest sitcom ever made. Okay, no one else has done that. But then he does, he makes Comedian, which like kind of defines a whole, defines kind of the whole millennial generation of stand-up, that, that documentary. Then he makes a show which is probably my favorite TV show of all time, Comedians in the Cars Getting Coffee. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 And each of those is like a couple years apart, maybe. Yeah, but I feel like the other things are just legacy from doing Seinfeld. Like, I mean, maybe there is I mean, a those thing things before. do give him the free... I mean, you also forgot about B-Movie. Yeah, I did forget <laughs> about B-Movie. I mean, there is a, and there's a couple of like flops and things in there. Not that many. He's very picky. No, for theater. sure. I mean, it's like... But I feel like... You don't, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, uh, like you get, he got to do all those things just because of the, he's become something, he's become a person who's like, he's Seinfeld, he, he did this, and of course comedians with cars, like all of his famous friends of, you know, accumulating all those relationships over the years, um, where it's like, it's not like he started from scratch. No, not you know, at all. Like, but the, the, to have the shut spot to do, to do like, oh, I'm going to make this show and just put it on, you know, because at first it wasn't on Netflix or anything. It was just right. on some side website. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this with car. You know what I mean? There's, like you probably had this with Grading Animals where somebody saw what you were doing as some sort of foregone conclusion as opposed to like, I have a, I know the, of the pain and the and the agony of like, what am I supposed to be doing? What do I do? I'm not wanted, blah, 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 like that you went through to get to that. And it's like, no, I think the difference is we didn't hit the thing where it, now it allows us to be broadcast all over the world. Right. But you have the shows that you took to Canada. You have the 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 flower show that before that. You have um we had the podcast we did before this. We had um you have um grading animals. You have the gigolos. You have all these things that for you are you're Seinfeld, you're Johnny yeah. Carson, uh, you know, whatever. You're all these different things that I feel like that's what I mean. It's like for somebody who has their head on straight, I think 
the fame part is like that's winning the lottery. Yes. But the yes. other part of it is like, oh, you just made a bunch of stuff with your For time. sure, for sure. And like I think that's like just like if if everybody can like who who wants who wants to do it and who like to not be well I saw a, I saw a um uh what do you call a um a fortune cookie the other day mm-hmm. not the other day like I took a picture of it and I'm remembering it now but it's like success is going from failure to failure without um I don't know without like getting I don't know how the, the end of it went but it's like without like going from failure to failure without like uh getting down about it or something yeah, like that yeah yeah or becoming skittish yeah yeah oh, and I don't know I think it's like the failure it's like the same thing about the the essence of clown it's like these failures hurt like whether or not it's like an outward failure like I feel like I can't help but feeling that I've failed because like I don't have more grading animals in me or whatever or I, I'm not willing to like fight to like keep a thing going on this putting it on Instagram it's like all these stupid things right so I feel like a failure and it's like I have to like eat that and be like all right well I'm gonna start doing open mic cover songs now like yeah, that's yeah. my new thing yeah yeah <laughs> no I don't know I don't know if that's what I'm I don't think I think I'm gonna do it once I'm, I have this ridiculous. I'm just in a weird space right now. But that's I mean, that's great. the fail. That's the, yeah. the the feeling of failure, and not like I mean, I'm I'm hoping to keep doing creative stuff. But it is weird. I feel like oh man, I'm I you know in sometimes ways I feel like I'm dead. You know, it's weird. Man, I get it. Like the relationship that I was in that uh, that broke. That, you know, I got broken up with was. Uh, I'm sure you remember this, the part of my life before before my ex where I was just like pining and always wanting a relationship and always yes. looking for a certain thing. And then like one thing that's sucked is like I have to admit that I got it. Like exactly the thing I was dreaming of, I got it. And I got to live it for almost five years straight with like almost no issues. And like so now I have to go, okay, I got it now what do i want do i want the same thing do i want something else do i know what i want like um it's that's a weird place to be in to spend all your life dreaming about something and then to just have it and then it ends but and and i can see that as a failure maybe it is a failure but now what i know man it's weird it's weird i i feel like it's like Innocence and experience. Innocence and experience. You said those are the two clown masks from the in from the, the Canadian Can- clowning. It's like yeah, but it's like weird because it's like that's true. It's like you don't know what you want. You you're like in the play, and then you ha you you experience what li- what it is, and then you kind of back on the other side of like what what do you want now, right? Damn. I remember sometimes I remember thinking this like really a lot in the last year. Uh, my ex and I were together that people would come to me and ask me for relationship advice. And I remember thinking this is going to bite me in the ass one day. Like I got to make sure not to answer this and like a wise and like, well, you know what I mean? Totally. I got to make sure to answer this. And like, I don't, I don't know anything, anything could happen because, and, and, and the place that I am now is the same. Anything could happen. You know, I'm sad and, and broken and feel defeated. Not, not entirely. I feel other things too. I feel, uh, hope and stuff now but um yeah anything anything could happen 
shit. Especially in these points where you're like lost and between a lot of things. That means anything could happen. Totally. So we don't really have many answers for you guys, but I'm so glad we got to uh, sit down with Ralph Jean-Pierre, Emmy winner, <laughs> and spend an almost an hour and a half with him and never once mentioning Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, thank you, you so much, you everybody. Me. <laughs>